Nation podcast, and it's Victory Tuesday morning, and I don't know how I feel about it. The Niners decided it was time to go win another football game. They went into Arizona, they're gracious hosts, and they beat the brakes off of them. Well, they not beat the brakes, but they won in a way that, that didn't seem possible. Uh, so here we are, it's Victory Tuesday, and we're just going to roll with it. With me, as always, is Leo Luna of Sports Illustrated. How are you doing, man? I'm doing better than the Arizona Cardinals, that's for sure. They basically said, hey, 49ers, come on in. 49ers tore up that field, and they also knocked the Arizona Cardinals out of the playoffs. So I'm doing a million times better than they are. Poor guys. They got knocked out of the playoffs without Javon Kinlaw, <laughs> and CJ Beathard was the quarterback. With me this week as well is a guest, Vish Kumaran. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, you're, you have a podcast on YouTube. Go ahead and plug that real quick so people know where, you, where they can find you real quick. Yeah, so I do a little show with my buddy Blake. It's called Blake and Mish Sports. You can find us on YouTube. It's Blake ampersand Vish Sports. Uh, we talk about all things football, not just Niners, but we do talk about the Niners, and we also talk about the NBA. So if you're looking for some sort of uh, coverage of all kinds of things nba and nfl you should follow us and the nfl season's just about over so if you need a place to check out some basketball don't forget to go over to youtube and check that out well i mean here we are there's one week left in the season three weeks ago me and leo came on after they had just lost to the washington football team after not even allowing them to score an actual offensive touchdown and said there's no way this team wins again there's absolutely no way they're gonna get a top six pick they're going to pick Jack Wilson. Everything's going to be great. And here we are. The Niners found a way to win with CJ freaking Beathard. And I don't know how I feel about it. It was pretty impressive that once again, Kyle Shanahan did his thing. And somehow CJ Beathard is now two and nine as a 49ers <laughs> quarterback. And he's awful. He had three touchdowns in this game. Leo, like, what are we doing? How... How is CJ able to take over this Arizona Cardinals team? I think it speaks volumes about Kyle Shanahan because although Beathard had three touchdowns, a lot of those touchdowns, the juice check was wide the hell open. And you look at, I look at QBR more than I look at quarterback rating because I think quarterback rating, that's a little fluctuated. Quarterback could have a bad game and he's over 100. Um, so with QBR, Beathard was at 31.1 and Kyler Murray was at 62.2. So Kyler Murray played basically double the times better than CJ Beathard and Kyler Murray gets the loss to CJ Beathard. That's why you even see it on the ice test. Kyler Murray by far outplayed CJ Beathard, but it's just Kyle Shanahan. That's why I don't look at wins and loss records like a certain 49ers quarterback because they have a hell of a head coach when you don't throw interceptions like Nick Mullins did the previous weeks. And once again, the run game was out there. I mean, Vish, like, it's crazy. They just, with these running backs, it does, It feels like no matter who's playing running back, they kill it. And this time it was, it was Jeff Wilson, and he looked phenomenal on Saturday. Right. It's just a testament to the Shanahan run game scheme. It's so famous. But I think Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel do a really great job with because they're given so many different looks week to week and how they adjust to the looks and how they're able to run the ball. And I think the most impressive thing for me is that they've not been able to run the ball against this fans, Joseph defense 
the last two years or so. They've really struggled to get the run game going. They even struggled to run it week one, and they cracked the code. They absolutely obliterated them with the run game. And if the run game's working, the pass protection improves significantly because the run game is married to the pass game in this offense, and you can protect C.J. Beathard by just calling very safe play action throws and keeping him from losing you this game. Absolutely. And that's the thing. And it does, not only hurts the fact that, you know, Jeff Wilson was awesome. It wasn't like Jeff Wilson was, you know, just uh, taking advantage of what Shanahan was giving him. He played tremendous on Saturday. Yeah. Jeff Wilson was fantastic. He's such an aggressive runner. And I love the fact that he gives contact to defenders rather than takes contact. And it goes back to something just because I'm kind of a weird guy in terms of I remember really random things. I was watching ESPN one day like seven years ago, and I remember Ryan Clark said on TV that day that they were arguing about Mike Tomlin. I don't remember who it was, but this really stuck out to me. He was talking about how Mike Tomlin understands the entire picture, and that's what makes him a great head coach. And he says, even look at running backs. They took Le'Veon Bell before Eddie Lacy in that draft. And the reason they did that, he said, is because he looked at he took one look at Eddie Lacy and he said, that's a guy who just takes a punishment. He looked at Le'Veon Bell and he said, that's a guy who gives out a punishment. Jeff Wilson falls into the latter category. He's a very physical runner. He's he runs so hard. He runs with so much heart. And the crazy thing is, you know, like Niners fans have been just I've always been hearing it that Raheem Mostert is the guy for this offense. Raheem Mostert is the guy for this offense. Jeff Wilson quietly has accumulated the same exact numbers as Raheem Mostert this exact season, which tells me that the offense and the scheme is mainly what gets it done. Mostert and Wilson have a few good traits that they do a really good job of running within this scheme. And the Niners have a really nice and solid one-two punch to run the football next season, barring injury. And uh, yeah, and the thing is, is it feels like the running backs that they have right now, they don't need to look for one in the draft. They've got Raheem Mostert, they've got Jeff Wilson, they've got Jamichael Hasty, and they have uh, uh, Walter as well. I'm sorry, I almost <laughs> drew a blank there. And and the thing is, like, well, well, we didn't see a lot of Walter when we saw Hasty. There was some stuff out there that said he could be a star. We've seen it from Jeff Wilson. We've seen it from Raheem. I think the last thing that Leo in this draft they should be looking at his running back. Yeah, I agree on that mainly because, uh, you know, it's Kyle Shanahan drawing up the plays and they have a hell of a uh, blocker to seal the edge in George Kittle. And do you look at the hundred yard games last year with Raheem Mostert? They had George Kittle against the Ravens NFC championship. They had George Kittle uh, this year, Wilson's first hundred yard game against the Patriots. George Kittle, this past game, George Kittle. So he's a guy who could seal the edge so much, and he has that passion to just drive a guy and pound them into dirt rather than catching touchdown passes. He's kind of that final ingredient. He's not the only ingredient because it, it takes everybody in a zone-blocking scheme, but he's that fine ingredient that you definitely need in there. And comparing Moster and Wilson, they could certainly run a two-team tandem next year Wilson's actually averaging 4.9 yards per carry. And I think that speaks volumes because Jeff Wilson is a guy who gets the ball inside the five yard line a ton compared to Raheem Mostert. So that's obviously going to affect Jeff Wilson's yards per carry. And he's right there. And he has six touchdowns opposed to Mostert's two. So I think these two guys next year can just, you know, the sky is the limit. 
yeah, I would love an ETN in round two. Just see him fall as well as Najee Harris. Just see him fall as well. But what they have, they don't need that in round two. They would, I would prefer them to look at an edge or a corner. And, and I think the, the biggest thing you said there is George Kittle is back. And I think a lot of people, when they announced that George Kittle was playing this game, were like, why is George Kittle going to play? We don't need him. He's already been injured. Like, what are we doing? Like, why are we playing him? And I think we saw on Saturday why they played George Kittle. Because when George Kittle is out there, they just, they kill people. He's the best at what he does. And I think if you watch some of the film from the game, you see that George Kittle is one of a kind. Like, people talk about how Kelsey might be a better tight end or whatever. It doesn't matter because Kelsey doesn't do all that Kittle does for this team. I mean, Vish, like, it's insane how good George Kittle is. Yeah. So I don't really like getting into the Kittle versus Kelsey because Kittle, Kelsey also does a lot for his team in a different type of way. I think they're both different kinds of players that are really excellent in their own way. It's really hard to diminish Travis Kelsey and what he's done by not calling him the best tight end in the NFL. But then we see George Kittle every week, and how can you say that's not the best tight end? So I don't really like getting into that. I think they're both great players. But the thing I love about George Kittle is the infectious energy that he plays football with. He can single-handedly raise the morale of a team, and that's what he did. And Kyle Shanahan talked about it. He said even if George practices, the energy that he brings changes life for our team. And this was a team desperate for life. These are players that have had to deal with the worst of circumstances. It's not just the fact that, you know, they're losing games and all, that they're losing games without having their family support and the backbone of their family to go home to. I mean, when something goes wrong for all of us in life, we usually look for those that are closest to us. And those that were closest to them are not close to them anymore. It's They have to communicate with them through a phone call and a Zoom call. And so that must have been really hard. And when you're losing, I feel like it compounds your issues. So this win was really important that way from a culture perspective where the Niners can really take a positive outlook on the season as a whole. They can really look at it and say, you know what? We fought through the Arizona and we still found a way to beat Arizona. And just the mental, I think it was really important that they didn't go one and two, one and zero and two versus Arizona this year. They are now actually three and two in this division with a, a team that has primarily played a lot of backup players this season because of injury. Going three and two in your division is very important because it's something you can look to as next year as, yeah, our division is really good, but we beat all these teams without most of our starting players. And it's something that you can look to and say, well, we can do it again once we have all our guys back. I, absolutely. I, I think that, and I think we've, me and Leo have said this on this show, is I think if they were healthy, they're the best team in the division. And I don't think it's like super close. I think they're good to deal better than Seattle. And Seattle's figured out their defense the last couple weeks and, they're probably going to beat the 49ers on Sunday because I just don't see I don't see the Niners being able to beat that Seahawks team because they're still playing for the number one seed, which, granted, they probably won't be by the by the time that game is going. I think Green Bay is going to put a stomping on the Bears, and it won't matter. But they're still going to come out. They're still going to play Russell Wilson. They're still going to play Jamal Adams, and they're going to come out, and they're going to try and win that game. And I don't think after we saw what they did to Jimmy Garoppolo, C.J. Beathard is going to stand a chance. But – what we've seen from this team over and over again is this fight, this want to go out there and not get their ass kicked. And I think the biggest person who I've seen that from has been Akella Witherspoon. I think Akella Witherspoon over the last three or four weeks has shown that, yeah, he may not resign with the 49ers, which 
as much as fans would probably want him to after they've seen how he's played, that kid has a lot of fight and he has a lot of just a lot of tenacity to go out there and keep trying after he's gotten beat so many times. And I, I just, I just want to say kudos on this podcast that Kella Witherspoon, I wish he would come back, but I highly doubt it. Yeah. Well, what I would like to say about Akilo is basically in the past last season, especially when you see him give up a play early on in the first quarter, he usually holds his head down and then it just goes completely downhill from there. That didn't happen on Saturday. He just took that play, no matter if it was OPI, like I said, and he kept playing. He gave it his best best effort, had a very key third down stops a few times on crossing routes to make the tackle and an interception in the end zone. So that's if I'm 31 of the other teams, I look at that and say, hey, this guy has took some steps mentally because we noticed in 2019 he would just put his head down and call it a game. He didn't do that this past game against the Cardinals. Exactly. And I think, you know, as much as I want him to come back, I don't think he will. But, I mean, good for him, like, to go out there and, and really kill it. I think that, you know, as we'll talk more in this offseason, I think we kind of know where the who the corners are going to be next year going into it. I think that they're going to find a way to get Verrett back, I hope. Um, but Akello, if they could sneak him back, it would be welcomed. Um, but let's talk a little bit before we get into, like, today's real main topic. Let's talk about the two big injuries going into the Seahawks game. And then I want to talk a little bit about Brandon I or you because he's just – He's so fun to talk about. But Trent Williams has played his last game as a 49er for now. He's not going to play against the Seahawks. Do you guys think, I'll go to you first, Vish, do you think they can get something done with Trent this offseason to bring him back? Absolutely. He's priority number one. He's got to be. You don't get left tackles like Trent Williams in the draft. You don't draft him. They were going to draft the left tackle, and they didn't think Trent Williams was a possibility or a priority they would have tried to draft one of Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Mekhi Becton, or Andrew Thomas because four guys like that aren't going to come for the next five years in the draft. I know Sewell has gotten a lot of hype and stuff, but he didn't play college football this year, right? He opted out, did he not? He opted out. So um, I, I, so who knows what, I mean, as an offensive lineman maintaining that weight and all of that, who knows what kind of shape he's in. He's not a guarantee. And then it's not like offensive linemen are just falling out of, college football ready to play like a Jonathan Ogden or an Orlando Pace or those kind of guys aren't coming back anymore. They got to get the deal done with Trent Williams. He's a special offensive lineman. There's very few players like him. Kyle Shanahan seems to adore him. I mean, and he's never ran this offense actually without an elite left tackle, you know, maybe a few games here with school in Brunskill, but in Houston, he had Dwayne Brown, who's a stud. In Cleveland, he had Joe Thomas. In Washington, he had Trent Williams. In San Francisco, he's had Joe Staley. So he's had elite left tackles all the way along the way. And I would say that Trent Williams, I think they get it done, and I think he's priority number one. You think Leo? Yeah, I, I would agree on that. I think Trent Williams is part of the reason why Richard Sherman has been open on saying, I'm not coming back next year. And be, that means Trent Williams is priority number one. He's going to get his bag, and Sherman understands that. It's it's going to happen. He's Shanahan's guy. I think the thing is, is Trent Williams is so good that I think that they can bring back Concrete Fleet, uh, Fleet again uh, <laughs> next year and be fine as long as they find a center in free agency or they potentially find theirs in the draft or something. I just think that the most important thing on this offensive line is the two tackles in the center, and I think that they desperately need to find an everyday center that is not named Wesson Richburg, who they are definitely going to cut this offseason. 
Yeah, yeah, they would have to. I think Brunskill has kind of earned his right to be in that mix for center. Now, I don't, I don't know what their assignments are on the offensive line because it's Kyle Shanahan, so it's probably a whole trickery on what it is. But to me, he seems like he's getting better and better and better each game that goes on at the center position. And I would just like to see Brunskill to finally get a position in this offense for once. Absolutely. And then our, our final guy I want to talk about from this game, who's played his final uh, game with the 49ers this season, at least, is uh, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, do you have the stats uh, handy on what he did this year? I mean, it was it was miraculous. I mean, he is wide receiver number one, 100 percent. Right, Vish? I'm not crazy in saying that. Wide receiver one in what sense on this team? On this team. Yeah. Oh, uh, not yeah. the draft. I think Jefferson Jefferson was the best receiver in the draft. Obviously, probably he is probably receiver number one. But I still think, in terms of priority on who you need to get the ball to in this offense, I would say it goes Kittle, Debo, then Ayuk. I think I've always been a big proponent that Debo Samuel is the most important player for this offense, and he's the one who really stretches the creativity in the run game. And that's because when Debo Samuel was able to run with the ball. It's it's really special. It's different. Nobody else in the NFL can do that. And I think there's a lot of Debo's receiver game that's yet to be unlocked because of the way he's had to have been used. I think he can do a little bit more as a receiver and do all the gadget stuff that he already does. And I I I, I do think Brandon Ayuk, from a technical receiver perspective, I think he's probably going to line up next year and be the Z receiver, and Debo Samuel will probably be the X receiver. But I don't look at Ayuk and say he's the guaranteed receiver one or the weapon number one. But I love Brandon Ayuk. I think he's excellent. I think he had a hell of a rookie season. I think he's definitely one of the biggest positive takeaways from the 49ers season. Leo, do you have the stats for him this season, Handy? Brandon Ayuk, he has 60 receptions for 748 yards and five touchdowns along with his rushing attempts, which are six for 77, which is a 12.8 average. Fantastic. Fantastic. And that's with one touchdown. And as I'm sure all of us remember, that was the, (laughs) the, the Eagles game, right? Where he jumped over the guy. He, he has, he has to have two touchdowns rushing, doesn't he? He had the giants game where he had the reverse for a rushing touchdown and the Eagles. That was the backwards pass that he hurdled the guy. Right. So ESPN has it as one. I actually think the Giants game was technically a rushing touchdown. And then, um, or yeah, that was technically a rushing touchdown. And then the Eagles game was technically a a receiving touchdown. But I look at it as far as his 60 receptions, 43 of those are from first down. And nearly more than a quarter of his receiving yards is after catch at 289. I think this guy is fantastic. I I would like to use him as the term wide receiver one, just because I think he is the number one threat as far as a route runner, um, as far as if you want a guy to run a 20-yard route, a 15-yard route, 10-yard route, I would say uh, Brandon Ayuk would be that guy. But like Vish said, as term as feeding these guys, the volume of touches, Kittle for sure one, uh, I think IU could contend with Debo at two, but they both need to be involved heavily as well. And I think, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about quarterbacks, obviously, too. I think that the point Vish made was specifically like Debo is going to be much better once they figure out this quarterback position and get a much better quarterback in. Like we've said this a million times on this show specifically, like they have a quarterback problem where they are actively having to do 
uh, bleep this, gadget bullshit in order for the quarterback to be able to get the yards they need to to still score. You know, like Debo is not being used in his full potential in this offense currently because they're having to work around this quarterback problem they have. Yeah, absolutely. Because you look at what preseason last year against the Cowboys, Debo Samuel jumped over a guy's back for a reception against the Ravens. Debo Samuel made Marcus Peters look like an undrafted free agent and jumped over him for that reception. And then against the Cardinals was probably the reception of the game where he caught the ball over the guy's back. So he's someone that can win downfield. He's more of an Anquan Bolden type route runner to where he could just box somebody out and, and get the reception that way. Where I would push back with that is that I think that a lot of people, like, I think that there is a little bit, not saying that you did it right here, Leo, but I think there is a general just discounting of how good Debo Samuel is as a wide receiver. He's a very legit wide receiver. If he couldn't do the stuff after the catch, he would still be a starting wide receiver on a team. This is the this is a guy who Shaq Griffin runs a 4-3-8, and Debo Samuel beat him on a straight goal ball down the sideline. Not all receivers beat Shaq Griffin down the sideline on a straight goal ball. You have to be a legit wide receiver to line up on the outside and beat a starting cornerback on a go ball. And Debo Samuel did that in, in the Seattle game. And if Jimmy Garoppolo throws that ball a half yard in front, then Debo Samuel does that. So I am a big Debo Samuel fan. He's my favorite player in the NFL. So I don't I don't want to be too biased, but I do stand there when I say like sit there and see, well, Debo's a gadget guy, and they do this for Debo. And I say, no, go watch his senior bowl. The guy was whooping Rocky Asin, who Chris Ballard, one of the most respected GMs in the NFL, took with in the second round. So he is really, really good. He's really quick. He's really fast. He's a heck of an athlete. His only problem is, can he stay healthy? It's a big question. And I think if he can, you're going to see maybe think, I think he has the opportunity if they feed him enough to have a Percy Harvin type season. You know, the first six games before Percy Harvin got hurt when he was in the MVP conversation. I think Debo Samuel was capable of that type of production. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about quarterbacks too, but they they have everything in front of them. I think that Niner fans don't have anything to really feel terrible about going into the end of this season is this team is stacked. There's one problem and we're going to get into that. So this week, you know, Shanahan had this presser, obviously presser every Monday. He finally answered the Jimmy Garoppolo question I think people have been asking for. I'm going to play it for you real quick. We're going to listen to what Kyle Shanahan said, and then I want to talk about what you guys think about these answers he's giving, what they mean, and what is Jimmy Garoppolo's future with this team? Guys, you can't say anything with certainty. I mean, you don't sit here and make promises on anything. We build a football team. It's your job to put the best team together year in and year out. Um, People talk about Jimmy's salary. Jimmy's like one of the middle quarterbacks in the league right now in terms of salary. All right, that's just how much they cost. Um, so it's not like it's something ridiculous or anything like that. So we can work all that out. Um, and not to mention, look at Jimmy's record when he's been here. Jimmy, you can win with. He's proven that. And he's proven he's a starting quarterback in this league. And there's a reason his record is what it is. And that's why we paid for him to be our starting quarterback. And to think that that's ridiculous with where his contract is, this isn't like the first year. I mean, that's how much quarterbacks cost in this league. And uh, he's right there. Uh, I don't know the number, but I think it's somewhere between like 13th and 19th. Um, so that's nothing too big. And that's how much they cost. Um, now you look into every avenue and you see if and there's something out there that can get you a, a ton better. It's the same answer for every position. 
but look at Jimmy, look what he's done, look at where he's at with us financially. And um, we better have a very good answer if you're going to find something better than that. Cause Jimmy's shown in one year that he's the guy who can take us to the Super Bowl. And I also think Jimmy's going to get a lot better the more he plays. All right. So, you know, you heard that and he expects him to come back as the quarterback next year, but he doesn't, there's not a real certainty to it. So I'm going to start with you, Vish. When you listen to that, or you, you know, you even read the transcript of that exactly, what's the first thing that comes to your mind about the way Kyle Shanahan is talking about his quarterback? Nothing. It's the same way he talks about any player on this football team, and it's the same message that he's always provided. Here's the funny thing, right? Everybody wants to speculate about the quarterbacks. Kyle Shanahan has always said that he's a big proponent of finishing the season, going and taking his vacation, and then coming back and evaluating everything with the clean, fresh head and forming his opinion then. So I guarantee you that he has not spent the entire season thinking, well, Zach Wilson, I've already scouted him. No, he's focused on this football season and trying to win with C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. There's no decision that has been made on Jimmy Garoppolo, positive or negative. Here's the facts with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to look to upgrade the position, just like they look to upgrade the position last year, just like they look to upgrade a position every single season. If a Matthew Stafford comes available. If they look in the draft and they say, I really like this guy and we can go get him, then they're going to move off Jimmy Garoppolo because he's paid a lot of money and they can move off of him very easily. If they decide after their evaluation that nobody better can be, they can acquire nobody better and they can, they also don't really love any of the guys in the draft that they think they're capable of getting, then they'll probably keep him it's the same thing as the DeForest Buckner situation it's different from the DeForest Buckner but it's similar right they looked at the draft in DeForest Buckner I'm pretty sure and they said realized they really liked Javon Kinlaw that early in the process and I think that's why they were willing to do that first round pick deal for DeForest Buckner because they deemed his contract a tad too out of their price range with Jimmy Garoppolo it's going to be similar in the sense that they're going to evaluate every single option and then come to a decision on him absolutely Leo what do you think of that yeah, so I think Fish explained it correctly. Shanahan has no idea as far as Zach Wilson and, and his evaluation on him. He hasn't he spent zero time on evaluating Zach Wilson. He spent zero time evaluating uh Trey Lance, Matthew Stafford. He hasn't looked at his tape at all. So to say that he's going to go ahead and move on from Jimmy right now, there's no reason for him to say that. He he is a trade asset right now currently if they do decide to move on from him so if he's your trade asset why would you say yeah we're gonna move on from him we're gonna look to upgrade the position you basically left yourself any assets on the table um if you asked him that question last year with the force buckner it was we want the force to be a 49er for a long time and like fish said once Shanahan cleared his heads, they started looking at the draft evaluations. It said, okay, well, let's go ahead. We could get this 13th overall pick and not have to pay him 20-something million dollars. Let's go ahead and do it. And I see a similar situation coming down to where, oh, we can't bring Verrett back. We can't bring Hyder back. Um, we can't bring, say, even Kyle Juszczyk back because of certain cap allocations. Well, Matthew Stafford's available for whatever, if that does happen, theoretically, or if we're in position to move up in the draft and get the guy that I really looked at on tape and I like a lot, I think they would say, okay, well, you know, sorry, like it's a business decision. Yeah, I said, you know, that he was, I expected him to be my quarterback in December, but we're not in December anymore. And I evaluated from a business aspect and this makes sense for the business. 
And right. that's the thing is, is you should never take what a coach says in December and be like, that's what's going to happen. Because that's, and that's what it feels like Twitter is running with right now. <laughs> or just people in general is that, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback. That's not what this means. And I think you guys have both said it completely. I don't think there's too much I can really add is that this is what he's saying now. But if we're in February and Shanahan's watching Zach Wilson in his, in his house sitting there and he's like, this is my guy. We may wake up one day in March and the 49ers have traded up to the second pick and we know who they're taking. But until right. it happens, we don't know what they're going to do. Right. Kyle Shanahan doesn't know. John Lynch doesn't know. Nobody knows what they're going to do with the quarterback position right. because they've had dealt with this horrible season where they had no quarterback. Right. And he said it. He didn't say anything extraordinary in his presser. He said, we have a guy in Jimmy. We can win with Jimmy. His contract isn't too bad. He's a, he, basic, he basically called him a solid player which Jimmy is a solid player. Now, he also said, if we get the opportunity to get someone even better, then we might look into that. And he then said, I also expect Jimmy to improve. So he's just keeping his options open like he should. And guess what? If he And to go back, it's like, if he doesn't say this, then what happens in the situation that, you know, Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan and all these guys are not available. And you look in the draft and Kyle Shanahan is not enamored with anybody outside of Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence is out of his reach, then guess who his quarterback again is again for one more year until he makes the same year-to-year evaluation? It's Jimmy Garoppolo. So he cannot completely turn away and say that that's not going to happen. He has to keep every single option open, and that's what he's done. This is not a big deal. This is just a coach talk. He said what he said. Move on. Exactly. And I don't want Jimmy Garoppolo back, but, I mean, Leo, like – Like what Vish what said. Is, right? When they looked at Tom Brady last year, that was public. They admitted, hey, we looked at Tom Brady, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo coming off a Super Bowl appearance with 27 touchdowns and 13 interceptions on the year with the quarterback rating that was somewhere, I believe, 115. And from what I understand as well is they called on Dak Prescott. That hasn't been expressed publicly because nobody asked him publicly. Uh, so if they did that last offseason, why would they not? express their options after Jimmy Garoppolo is coming off seven touchdowns and five interceptions. Exactly. Yeah. I think that, that it's this whole season, this whole off season is going to be interesting because it's really up in the air what the quarterback position is, but I think every Niner fan really knows where the biggest problem is and it's quarterback. And so, you know, let's talk about the draft for a little bit here at the end. I mean, with the win, they are now the 15th pick in the 2021 NFL draft. And this isn't good uh, because it's going to cost them a lot if they want to move up and get their quarterback. There's now a lot of quarterback needy teams ahead of them. I'm not going to go through the whole draft board, but these are some of the teams that need quarterbacks ahead of them. Um, the Jets are still a question mark. The Atlanta Falcons, who knows what they're going to do with their Miami. new coach, Matt Ryan. You, Miami okay. is another All right, question we're going to have this conversation. Why do you think – I saw this on Twitter – why do you think that Miami is a question mark despite the fact they went first round with Tua last year? Because as soon as they started Tua, Schefter, who's pretty much the guy who's plugged in the most in the NFL, literally said that they're starting Tua because they're worried that they're going to have another opportunity to take a very high quarterback and they want to know exactly what they have with Tua. And guess what? They tell you that every time they have a pressure situation and they need a guy to w- and they need their quarterback to step up, they tell you exactly what they think of Tua. Sit on the bench and let Ryan Fitzpatrick play. 
And Ryan Fitzpatrick bailed them out versus Oakland. And, you know, it's going to be interesting what they do because I think Tua's okay. I think he's okay. But I think that Tua doesn't have, like, any specifically elite physical traits. I know his process, mental process, is really great. But, I mean, most quarterbacks aren't winning with mental process anymore. Like, Kyler Murray does not win with mental process at all. Sometimes he bails totally and you don't understand what his process is, but he still gets you a 50-yard type gain, whether it's with his legs or whether it's throwing a just insane bomb. So a lot of quarterbacks don't win with mental process. He didn't make a lot of big-time NFL throws um, in muddy pockets to receivers that were running, that were contested-type throws at Alabama. And something I think we've seen with him in Miami is that he's not willing to throw the ball unless his receivers are defined as very open, which it's not going to be how it was for him in Alabama. So I do think that they're going to be a team that's going to do the same thing that the 49ers are doing, which is they're going to look at all their options. They're going to reevaluate how Tua played, and they're going to say, well, we have another opportunity to move off of him. We can probably get a reasonable asset for him. Is What's our best option at quarterback? So, okay, we'll put Miami in here real quick. I think that's actually really interesting. I haven't heard that point. So New York, Miami, Atlanta, we don't know what they're going to do with Matt Ryan. I think Philadelphia and Cincinnati are set. Detroit, if they move off of a quarterback, I think that Stafford is pretty much to the 49ers. I feel like that's a pretty good – that. like, let's talk about Matthew Stafford real quick. I sent you a tweet uh, probably like four or five hours ago from uh, Dr. Nirav Pandya, who I'm probably saying his name wrong. I'm probably Absolutely butchering it. Absolutely, you did. Yep, you did. Yeah, you really, you really screwed up his name. It's Nirav Pandya. I'm just the host, okay? <laughs> um, so he's the chief of the UCSF Pediatric Orthopedics and the director of the Pediatric Sports Medicine. And basically what he said is that Stafford is a walking orthopedic surgery clinic, dislocated patella, shoulder separation, ligament injury in his throwing hand, ankle injury, rib cartilage injury, back injury, hip injury, his performance metrics are only pointing downward with injury risk going up. So first, I know what, me and Leo talked about this a little bit. I'm going to go to you, Vish. When you hear this, I know you're a big Stafford guy, and I know he has been injured a lot. What do, what do you think about this? I look at his play. His play, it's, I mean, it wasn't the best at the beginning of this year, but for the most part, Matthew Stafford has been consistently a tier two quarterback which is the guys that fit between 7 to 13 in the NFL. You know, Tony Romo was a Tier 2 quarterback for a long time. Carson Palmer, Phillip Rivers fit in this category for a long time. There's a lot of guys like that. Matt Ryan has always been a Tier 2 type quarterback, and he's always been that. Number two, what I know with Matthew Stafford is, even at 33, you're not finding a quarterback as physically gifted as him, or you, if you find one, it's going to be very rare. So if you get Trevor Lawrence, you have to be picking one to get him because Matthew Stafford is one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. And number three, he's a guy that's willing to play hurt and he's never been protected from a play calling standpoint, from an offensive line standpoint, from a defensive standpoint. He's never had anything to protect him. They've always just sent him out there and said, Matthew Stafford, throw the ball 45 times. If you win us the game, we win the game. Well, if you lose us the game, we lose the game. And Detroit is very not a, they're not a good organization. And what I think is that even if he is diminishing a little bit, well, he doesn't have to make as many big time throws if he plays for the 49ers. 
He just has to be able to navigate muddy pockets, something he does extremely well. He has to be able to throw off platforms, something he's great at. He has to be an accurate down the field thrower, something he can. And he just has to be able to stretch every part of the field, which he has an arm with limitless arm. He has limitless arm strength, so he's able to do that. And he will be aided by an excellent run game. He'll still be, get the yak of Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle, something he's never had in his career. And he'll also have a really, really good defense with guys like Nick Bosa, and Fred Warner, and Jimmy Ward. I, I don't look at I do look at okay the injuries as something, but this is not a long term solution. Matthew Stafford is still a two to three year solution. The best case would be Matthew Stafford restructure the team and get resuited up for a Super Bowl run in the next two years and draft a guy somewhere in that window in the first or second round, and that's your future quarterback. Yeah, I I wouldn't leave it out of the equation, even if they did get Matthew Stafford, that they wouldn't take someone with that first round pick. Say if Trey Lance falls to 15 or the 49ers end up selecting 15 or 13 once the or once the draft day comes around. So I wouldn't leave that out of the equation as well, because like Vish said, Stafford isn't someone that's going to be a 10 year fix. He's two to three year fix. And yeah, he's had these injuries, but. The past 10 years, he's missed eight games due to injury, which was last season. Before last season, he played 16 games for eight straight years. And then he's played 15 this year. And if he misses one, well, it's probably because the Lions are out of the playoff picture. And it's most likely a business decision for Stafford to miss that game. He he is tough as nails compared to a certain 49ers quarterback right now <laughs> he they wanted to bring out the cart for Matthew Stafford yesterday and he said no do not bring me the cart i am walking this guy will play through an injury and he'll play through an injury at a high level he's not someone that's going to play through an injury and basically be terrible and say why is this guy playing through the injury no he does special things like fish says uh, the only thing that it doesn't go viral because he's not wearing 15 in Kansas City and he's not wearing 12 in Green Bay. That's the reason why it doesn't go viral. He makes those same arm angle throws that those two guys makes. He's a, he's a talented player and he's never had someone like a Kyle Shanahan to call him plays. Never. He's never had the Yak Bros. And what do you guys think it would cost to go get a Matthew Stafford you know, on this team for next season? Honestly, the price for me, it fluctuates each time because it yes. does, it, 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 you don't know, right? There's not that many examples of a player, his caliber getting moved at that point in his career. Maybe Carson Palmer, but Carson Palmer was a malcontent in Cincinnati. And I think the Raiders gave up a first round pick for Carson Palmer. First round pick for Matthew Stafford, I would do it 100% tomorrow. But I don't even know. It's really tough to project because Given the current climate, right, COVID has kind of changed everything and the value charts totally. Each draft pick, is it as valuable or is it less valuable? We don't know that. Is the money, like if Matthew Stafford's in a very comfortable contract for any team to take because Detroit eats most of his dead money so because of his signing bonus. So all of those factors and variables have to be set in stone before anybody can speculate on his value. What I can say is that I think that if it's just a first round pick or if it's a two second round picks, I would 100% do it. Yeah, I think it's going to fluctuate as well because it's it's too early to know. One, if 
January, February, March come around and it's known that, hey, Matthew Stafford is requesting a trade, that's obviously going to diminish what Detroit can get in return. Now, if it was just something that was kept in silence, Detroit probably could have got maybe a first round pick. But if it becomes public, it's probably two seconds. We we don't know. It's, it's a little too early in the process, but I, I would have to guess it's going to be as early as one first or two seconds. That's probably where it's going to be at. And I, th- I think it makes sense. But, uh, you know, real quick, let's just go through the rest of these teams. Um, so the New York Giants are not going to move off Daniel Jones this fast. I just don't think I it will happen. I wouldn't move off Daniel Jones this fast. They need to move off Jason Garrett for Daniel Jones. Right. <laughs> the Carolina Panthers, I think there's a very real possibility they go quarterback. The Denver Broncos, I think they should give Drew Locke one more year. But, I mean, what do you guys think there? No, I'm not a big Drew Locke guy. I think Drew Locke has a ton of talent, but I think his quarterback play is so raw. And I think once that team gets healthy with Fangio, they're going to have a very legit defense. I'm not the biggest. I think their weapons are a little overrated, but their weapons are still legit. I I don't know if Drew Locke is ready for that. I think veteran quarterback angle might be the best way for them to maximize. At least from Vic Fangio, he can be confident that his quarterback is going to be smart, mature, read the defense, understand what's going on with the defense and know where to go with the ball. I think Andy Dalton is the best fit for Denver. Interesting. All right. And then Dallas, they're going to re-sign Dak, right? Like, there's no way they take a quarterback. (laughs) And then um, Minnesota, like, I don't think they're going to move off Kirk Cousins, but I mean... No. He's he's played very well this year, uh, given what he's got. He's always had... Minnesota's always given him a bad line. Yeah. He had an okay line in Washington, and he did really well there. Uh, Didn't really have much receivers in Washington, and there's just no reason to get rid of Kirk Cousins at this point if you're Minnesota. You're not going to get his value. You're not going to get it. And how many different play callers has he succeeded with? Three years in a row of Gary Kubiak is going to be something really good for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson is definitely something. They need to fix their defense, and they need to fix their interior offensive line. I think people don't realize how good Kirk Cousins is at masking how bad that offensive line is. That offensive line is horrific. And they've always been horrific. Um, And then the final team that's in front of the 49ers right now is the New England Patriots. And I think that's quarterback as well. No, I don't think so. If, no, yeah, what, do, I, what, do you, what do you think they would do? What do you think they're going to do? That, that system is so complex. That system takes a long time to learn. I don't think they want the pressure of getting a first-round quarterback and having him sit and be ready to play. It's not exactly friendly or conducive for a quarterback to play from day one. I, they were ready to go with Jared Stidham, right? That's what all the insiders in New England were reporting, that they were 100% in on Jared Stidham. If they were 100% in last year, they've got to be somewhat in again this year. Maybe they get Jimmy Garoppolo too. And I think New England's always been a second to fourth round type team that takes a quarterback every single year in that range. And they always like a quarterback who has natural throwing ability and throws the ball in a really it throws the ball really well and is smart and they can just sit and teach him and hopefully he turns out to be something. So I think they will go that route again. What you're saying is Mac Jones is going to be a Patriot. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Alabama too. (laughs) Alabama too. (laughs) I just feel like Mac Jones is designed for that system the way you just described it. Yeah. My thoughts on Belichick is I don't really, he's always about getting a deal, right? He always wants to feel like he won. 
and getting the fourth quarterback on the board at 15th overall, I don't think that's going to make Belichick feel like he won. He's going to feel like he just got stuck there. But he'll take gladly take the fourth quarterback off the board in round two. I think he would gladly do that. If Mac Jones or, or Kyle Trask is there round two, I think he would gladly do that. But I don't see him forcing himself to get a guy round one just because it fits the narrative. He's never done the fit the narrative in his entire career there. The other thing is they rarely stay put and take the guy at their original draft position. So it's more than likely that they will be picking 22nd and 28th and ultimately 31 with four extra second round picks by the end of draft night. Yeah, because he he doesn't draft good, so he needs all those picks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean... So th- we just read off a couple teams, you know, maybe that, that want to pick ahead of them. Do you think about trading up with the New York Jets at two to go get a guy? Or do you, you know, do you trade with Cincinnati? Like, what do you guys think? You know, we'll start with you, Vish, real quick. Like, what do you think is the best bet for the 49ers to draft a quarterback this year in the draft? So I'm I'm in two minds with this. On one hand, I say if Kyle Shanahan feels supremely convicted that Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or anybody outside of Trevor Lawrence is that guy and he can only get him at two, I say, yes, go do it. But I also think there are some opened up holes in this roster that people are underrating where I think that with the rookie quarterback, they would still have to be stepped back and sit a couple more years and rebuild this roster. Because if a guy like Tart walks, right, they have 33 agents. If Tart walks, I'm, I don't think Tarverius Moore is ready to be given a starting free safety job in camp they're gonna they're gonna have to draft someone or bring in a veteran to compete with him for that job next to jimmy ward if tart walks so that's one extra spot i think i think big west most likely done they need to bring another interior o-lineman they can't just give daniel brunskill colton mckivitz you start right guard center they can't do that that's not fair so you have to bring in competition there too that's another draft pick that has to be invested in if they re-sign Verrett, that's one corner. If they re-sign, if they te- they're going to tender Mosley and keep him as a restricted free agent, that's another corner. But even if they re-sign Akello, they're still going to have to bring competition into the cornerback spot, which means that's another draft pick to in- be invested in. And they have two fifths, two six, two sevens. You're not going to get guys that you can think that are going to compete day one. You're not draft. You're not usually drafting those guys at that point in the draft, and I still think edge rusher is a large need. I think I know Kerry Hyder has had a good season, but I I always say this when people are so ready to move off of D Ford, I say when you are going to rank the ten best 49ers when they're healthy, does D Ford make your list? Because he absolutely makes mine, regardless of health. Ten best 49ers. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, so. I would agree. Yeah, hundred percent. D Ford makes the list, right? He's one of the best players on the team. So you cut him and you save sixteen million dollars of cap. Are you going to put all the pressure on Nick Bosa to carry this entire edge rush one year removed from an ACL? Nick Bosa is a long term investment. They can't wear him out that early in his career. He's a guy that has to play ten years for the Forty ers because that's really important for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan because it really elevates their draft outlook and their draft status and how their their resumes. Nick Bosa is a huge name to put on your resume. So when you look at it like that, you know, maybe you sign a unique Ngakwe, maybe, but if you're going to get a high-level edge rusher, that's a first or second round pick. 
type guy that you have to get. So there's four or five holes right there that I just named where you know you need competition, you need starting talent. If you're trading the house for Zach Wilson, unless you're convicted from day one that he's just going to cover all your holes. And for covering all your holes, it doesn't mean that he takes you to seven and nine. That means he covers all your holes. You're 13 and three like rookie Dak Prescott. Well, that's a tough ask. That's a really tough ask. So that's where I would say if you're gonna, it would all depend on how they manage this free agency before I would be 100% in in saying, let's just go up and get Zach Wilson. Even though I really like Zach Wilson, I think I'm only really convinced on him and Trevor Lawrence so far in this draft. I, I, I would have to see how they handle the free agency because they have 30 decisions, 30 different free agents that they're going to have to make decisions on. And each decision is going to be very important because they can't really screw it up. The margin for error is very small. It's not just the quarterback. So while I was going to get into it, Fish hit what I was going to say at the end is it depends on how the free agency looks because there's going to be some guys who get cut from their current team. The The cap is, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be around 185 or so. It's not going to. So that's more. That's 10 million more than what we were expecting. Some guys are still going to have to get cut. And I'm interested to see what are those players or who are those players. Um, Because, yeah, they could bring back Jason Brett. If they bring back Jason Brett, then that means they probably cannot afford K1. So that Mm. means there's a nickel corner position open. I, I wrote an article for Sports Illustrated before the season started, and people... Uh, got their pitchforks at me because I said the 49ers need to sign Clay Matthews to add some depth as a pass rusher. People were like, what do you mean? They have Nick Bosa, they have D Ford, they have Ronald Blair. Well, Ronald Blair didn't even make a return. Ford's not playing. Bosa's not playing. So yeah, that's, that's still a need going into next season, depending on if someone decides to overpay Hyder more than the 49ers are willing to pay. And Tarverius Moore, he does definitely need some work. And interior offensive line, for sure. I think Ben Garland is someone that they should bring back since his injury this year is very unfortunate. He, so it may keep him in the 49ers market. But I think K1 might, they might be able to keep K1 the same kind of way because the thing with K1 is one, he's had a lot of lower leg injuries, two, as good a pl- football player as K1 is, there's not a lot of teams that value a 5'9", 185-pound slot cornerback who's not necessarily a man lockdown guy in the slot. Like, the guy that really locks down in man in the slot is Jimmy Ward. It's not K1 Williams. So I think there's they might be able to get him out of value. The guy that's really interesting to me is Tart. I think they got to find a way to get him back. Yeah, and so if you're bringing back Tart, you're probably not bringing back um, Kerry Hyder, but... From what I understand, Tart's not coming back. It, that's that's going to be a situation that's going to be moved on from. That's just, I, I can't confirm on anything, but just from little whispers, that's that's what I hear. And But if, say, Zach Wilson is John Lynch's, or John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan's guy, because it's Kyle Shanahan's decision, not John Lynch, if that's his guy at two, then I, yeah, do it. Because I people want to talk about Kyle Shanahan to, developing young quarterbacks i think he absolutely can that's the whole reason why they have that qb collective he knows what these young quarterbacks need to turn into i don't think there's an issue with kyle shanahan developing a young guy i think he can do it exceptional exceptionally so 
if that's his guy and he thinks he could be a Pro Bowl and top three quarterback for the next 10 years, then then yeah, maybe those holes don't get filled year one, but at least it could cover a couple of them to maybe a 10 and six record or so. Like he just beat the Arizona Cardinals with CJ Beathard having a 31 QBR. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is, you know, in closing, I think that if, you know, we're so far away from even knowing what Kyle Shanahan likes. We just know that Kyle Shanahan and John Lentz have sent guys to go see Zach Wilson. They've sent guys to go see Trey Lance. Like, that is something we all know. Now, Shanahan has a lot of film to watch. He has a lot to look at. But I think if this is your guy, if your guy, and I've said this on this show a million times as we close out the show, if if Zach Wilson is your guy and you're willing to bet that he is, you know, going to do what you want him to do. Think about it. The Chiefs, I put this on Twitter. The Chiefs didn't know Mahomes was going to be the god of the NFL. No, they did. Oh. They did. Brett Beach before the draft told Andy Reid. It's an article you can find. It. ESPN wrote it in October of 2017, that football season, before Patrick Mahomes had played a game in the NFL. It was an in-depth piece on that, and Brett Beach told Pat told Andy Reid that this is the best quarterback I've ever seen. And Sean Payton before the draft said that Patrick Mahomes was the best player in that draft. And Bruce Arians felt the same way. So a lot of people did look at that Patrick Mahomes film and really think that he was really every bit as special as he is today. I mean, I hope that happens with Zach Wilson. Like I, my, my main point was, thanks for that. I appreciate that. I didn't know that. Um, that if Zach Wilson is the guy, you know, they go through the whole draft process and he's the guy. They think that Zach Wilson is going to fix all the problems where Debo is getting to play Debo Samuel football and Ayuk is balling, Kittle's balling. The team's still really good. Yes, there's little holes, but even Super Bowl teams have holes. No team is not going to have every hole, every hole filled. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen. <laughs> but my point is, is if the quarterback fixes the problems that you think need fixing, you do whatever it takes to go get him. And I think that's what the 49ers need to do. I think yeah. that the biggest problem from this season is quarterback. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if they, go ahead, if they go had ahead. Um, Herbert, if they had Herbert, this would be a playoff team right now. Absolutely. Even, even with Debo getting hurt, even with Kittle getting hurt, even with Bosa getting hurt. I 100% believe they would be a playoff team if they had Justin Herbert. I totally agree with that. And, you know, I think that for the most part, what you said is right on. You know, it's that's what the NFL is. If you're convicted that you're going to get a special guy at quarterback, you go do whatever it takes to get him. And if he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. But if you're so convinced that Zach Wilson is the guy or Matthew Stafford's the guy, whoever they think is the guy, whether it's Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, anybody, if they're convinced that that's Kyle, if Kyle Shanahan is convinced that that's his guy, he's got to do everything to go get him, and he's got to be allowed to do everything to get him. And I think that's why people need to stop overvaluing draft picks. I think that's my final thought: is that people are overvaluing these draft picks. If it, whatever it takes to get the guy, I think is what pe- what it should matter to people. I'm an overvaluer of draft picks. Are you? Oh, yeah. No. I, I really think draft capital is extremely important. I think it, it gives you a lot of leverage in controlling the draft and everything. If you're a team with five draft picks in the first top 60, you don't have to take a player at the exact spot. You can trade down. You can trade up. You're in control of everything you do in the draft. 
if you don't have picks like the 49ers where you, I mean, let's hope Robert Sala gets a job. One, he deserves it. Two, we really need the third round pick. Um, if that happens and Emmanuel Sanders hopefully yields a fifth, all of those things, then you need, the Niners need those picks, right? Like tomorrow there could be multiple teams vying for Zach, Vil- Zach Wilson. And if the Niners offer is much less because they don't have those draft picks, then the Niners aren't going to get Zach Wilson. I feel like the 49ers only really go after this. Uh, these certain players and kind of overpay a bit is if it's someone that's already established and it's for Sherlock, like Khalil Mack, they had a better offer than the Bears, but the Raiders didn't want to trade him to the 49ers. And also the Bears, they weren't that good right? <laughs> uh, then. They got pretty good afterwards, of course. They made the playoffs a year, uh, Khalil Mack's first year. And then last year, yeah, they, they weren't good. And then they're good again this year. So it's, I see where the Raiders were thinking on that aspect as well. They were figuring, oh, well, if they have Jimmy Garoppolo healthy, the 49ers are probably going to win. Okay, fair. I understand. And the 49ers kind of lucked out on that anyways, because if they would have traded that pick, the Raiders probably would have got Bosa to replace Mac. Um, but instead of 49ers got Bosa. So it's, I, I don't really see the 49ers overpaying unless it's Shanahan pounding his hand on the table saying, I have to have that guy. But considering that Shanahan won a few games with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard and went 13 and three with Jimmy Garoppolo's limitations, I, I do see a scenario to where it's, oh, I could stay put and take and get Trey Lance. Okay, well, I believe I can make Trevor uh, Trey Lance every bit of Zach Wilson. I, I do see that competitive aspect. And and like I said, he's done the QB collective with Sean McVay and a few other guys to where he understands these young guys and he knows where they need to get. And I think Trey Lance definitely has all the tools. The one thing I will say, though, is this is I think this is Kyle Shanahan's and all be all. And I'm a huge Kyle Shanahan fan, so I don't really like criticizing him. But one thing I think I, I think that's bothered me about him his entire career is I feel like he rides the fence when it comes to his quarterbacks where he's not, Oh, it doesn't feel like he's always fully in his quarterbacks, a corner in the sense that he treats them as adults, right? He doesn't baby his quarterbacks. I have no problems with that, but it always feels like he's looking for the better option when he's got his quarterback right there. And I feel like this is the draft where if you take that guy, you can't be saying in two years, well, this guy is not good enough. He's not executing. you got to be right on this guy. This guy is essential. You have to be right. And if you think – if you're not comfortable taking a guy because he, you don't think that – you think he'll run outside of the structure of your offense and not allow plays to be completed, then you don't take that guy. But if that guy turns out to be like a Kyler Murray whose progression isn't great, but – He's so physically gifted that he makes play after play. Then you have to live with that. And I think that was why they, they weren't so in on Mahomes and Watson. And it turns out Watson's process is actually really good. And same with Mahomes. So who knows? So I, I hope that when they do their studying of quarterbacks, you know, everyone says he doesn't want a mobile quarterback. I think he's totally okay with the mobile quarterback. He just wants a quarterback that's going to operate his offense first and go with the correct spot for the football. And, you know, not every college quarterback is ready to do that yet. And so we'll see. He got a 16-yard read option with C.J. Beathard this past Saturday. So Shanahan has that in his playbook. Yeah, he doesn't care, right? He's just going to adjust to whatever the quarterback is. It doesn't matter. 
as long as the guy processes information and knows where to go with the ball and plays within his offense, he doesn't care if the guy can run around too. That just helps his offense. It's not a big deal. Absolutely. I, I think that, you know, we can talk about it on a podcast as much as we want. <laughs> I have no idea what they're going to do. Of course. I ha- and I don't. I wish I did. I wish I could tell you right now. Zach Wilson's going to be the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers next year, and know it, and and know it in the deepest depths of my heart that it was going to happen. But we don't know. And then there's a lot to still talk about with this offseason. So it's the most interesting thing. I can't wait to see how this unfolds because at the same time, like it's kind of nerve wracking because they have so many decisions to make, and you know you're still a fan at heart, but. To just watch this unfold, like they have 30 different free agents that you're going to look at and they're going to make decisions on that way. They're going to make this giant quarterback decision. Everything. Everybody's got an opinion on it, but no one actually knows because I don't even think Kyle Shanahan has gotten into this room and started studying any of these college quarterbacks or Matthew Stafford yet. So this is going to be super awesome to watch it unfold. And and Vish, we definitely want to bring you back again to talk more about this as the, as the offseason unfolds. It's going to be a long one. So we'll definitely have you come back again. Is there anything you want to pitch before we close out the show? We've gone a little long. <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. It was really cool. You guys are awesome. I love your podcast. I mean, you guys do really great work. Thank you so much for having me. How can they follow you on Twitter too, by the way? Just at my username, at Vish Kumaran. Give me a follow. And then Leo, how can they check out your stuff? So you could just find me on Sports Illustrated, all 49ers, uh, with the beloved Grant Cohn over there. And you follow me on Twitter, at LeoLuna93. And uh, I'm at NinerNate49. Also, remember to rate, subscribe. Always check out all the podcasts we do here on Niners Nation. And we're going to be here all offseason. We got one more game left against the Seattle Seahawks. It probably won't be pretty, but we'll be back again next week. And It'll really start. This is going to be a crazy offseason. We're going to try and bring a lot of different guests on as this offseason goes on, have a lot of different opinions so you guys can hear a lot of different thoughts on it all. I think that's the best part about having you on today, Vish, is, you know, really differing opinions than I think a lot of people have heard on a lot of regular, you know, shows and stuff going around about this team. Well, I, I hope that's a good thing. Thank you. No, it's, everything's it's, it's good. Nothing bad. Take it easy. We'll see you next week.